is the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to the San Peter Jackson Show. It's the last day of January. Can you believe it's like we're speeding through the year? I'm San Peter Jackson coming to you with my pop here going in the background. That's it. Uh, from WCBT, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 Radio, the voice in progressive Minnesota. It is a joy to be with you today. A lot is coming out. In the Tyree Nichols case, we're going to be talking about that. This police officer, uh, Preston Hemphill, who uh, helped to initiate uh, the stop. Um, indeed, he is the gentleman. He is the police officer who pulled Tyree Nichols from the house. We want to know why he's been shielded. Uh, indeed, that was something that uh, Attorney Ben Crump brought up. He said is it because he's white. Is he cooperating? What is going on? We talked about this in some detail yesterday. We're going to dig down a little bit deeper and look at some of the legislative remedies with Tennessee State Representative G.A. Hardaway. Tennessee State Representative G.A. Hardaway in this wonderful panel we've got. Of course, Dr. D. Dwight McKee is from Memphis. So some people are saying this. Attorney Bailey said yesterday that this is personal. Okay. And there are many uh, different strains of information that say that this is more personal than many of us can even imagine, right? Uh, that maybe there was a love affair that prompted this. Got a lot to talk about today on the Santita Jackson Show. And then, of course, John Nichols will be with us. And what will John be talking about? He'll be talking about Ilhan Omar and these Democrats, Congressman Silwell, et cetera, who are being targeted and removed from very powerful committees. Is that right? Hmm. Of course, the speaker had that his prerogative. And he is exercising these prerogatives in, um, in a mighty, mighty way. So we're going to be talking about that. And, of course, Chicago mayoral candidates have weighed in on the Tyree Nichols case. He wants to talk about that, too. Got a lot. And we're going to get into on the Santita Jackson show. So I want you to call me Max Myrick in D.C., uh, 773-763-WCPT, 773-763-9278. Hey, Jewel up there in New York, my sweetie. Samantha, how you doing, Daryl? And, um, oh, my goodness, and Robert, so many of you. Carol, how you doing? And you are all from all over the country. Hey, Renee, and all over Chicago and all over Minneapolis and all over the world, and we're glad to have you on the Santita Jackson Show. So let's get to some of these headlines, everybody, in Chicago. Mostly sunny, but it will be cold today. The high will be 12 degrees. Minneapolis-St. Paul, it's just the same. We got to beat by 2 degrees, Minneapolis. 10 degrees above zero, but mostly sunny. Unbelievable. After this beautiful blood moon last night. Unbelievable. Everyone's talking about the Super Bowl, February 12th. The first time you will have, and I think the fourth time in history that you will have black quarterbacks starting uh, in the Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles and Patrick Mahomes of Kansas City. So excited to see this day happen. And I know Joe Gilliam, uh, these quarterbacks, Warren Moon, um, all of these quarterbacks who paved the way, quarterbacks who never had the opportunity, quarterbacks who were the best in their positions, but they were relegated to other positions. They were made running backs and, and, and the like. Because they, because that's the lead position in football, and black men were kept out of that spot. And now, you know, just unstoppable, unstoppable. And 
afterward, I just wanted wanted to remember all the people who didn't get the opportunity and certainly would have deserved it and would have would have benefited from it. And we would have too as football fans. Everybody I want you to call me. At 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. And let's talk today um, about about Tyree Nichols, about Tyree Nichols in the NBA, the Kings 118, the Timberwolves 111, the Clippers will be facing off against the Bulls tonight. And both of our NHL teams, thankfully, have a bit of a break. It is cold, but it is cold some of everywhere in the United States of America. 38 million people in the United States today are living under some kind of winter advisory. It's um, it's just unbelievable, everybody. Ice storms. 1,100 flights were canceled Monday with a similar number of cancellations expected today. Everybody, please be careful and call ahead to the airport and see... If your flight's going to take off, President Joe Biden intends to end the COVID-19 national and public health emergencies on May 11th. What will that mean? We'll be talking with some health professionals about that going forward. Um, the public health emergency enabled the government to provide many Americans with COVID tests without pay. Well, at least taxpayers paid. You didn't have to pay initially. Um, treatments and vaccines at no cost, as well as um, also for enhanced social safety net benefits to help the nation. Well, that is now about to end. Should it? Call me at 773-763-9278 as the nation grapples with recent incidents of gun violence and mass shootings. Officials in Lakeland, Florida, responded Monday to a scene where at least 10 people were wounded in a drive-by shooting. Eight of the victims have non-life-threatening injuries, while two remain in critical condition. We've had more mass shootings in the United States than we have had days. We have got to look at that, everybody. We've got to look at that. And so, in the meantime, you know what? We still have good news. And I'm going to go to Pastor Stephen Thurston, the recently retired teaching pastor of the Salem Baptist Church. I'm so glad to see him moving on over to New Covenant, his historical family church. Indeed, um, it was one of the few churches in the United States of America that kept their doors open to Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. And um, it was one of my father's first trial sermon churches. Absolutely. And so we just thank God for New Covenant and the Thurston family today. Well, Today on Facebook at 3 o'clock, will you be on today? Santita, we're making a change. I have a schedule that's starting to look like your dad's schedule. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm shifting mirror moments to Fridays at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, starting this week. Okay. All right, all right. I love it. I love it. I love it. What are you going to be talking about today? So. So Friday, rather, Friday, I'm going to be dealing with some issues with, yeah, with leadership. I know we've been so used to Tuesdays for years. I know it's difficult to make that switch in our head. But we're going to deal with some leadership issues uh, to equip people who are in a position uh, to guide and shepherd people to be better at what they're doing, especially as we're seeking to lead people to change. And so I want to help leaders to lead people to change a little bit better on Friday, 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Well, you know what? I love it. I love it. I love it because I know how much I enjoy what you do. Um, because, you know, as someone who really is into sociology and psychology, you understand um, how our spirit impacts all of that. 
And I thank you for really shaping your ministry in a way that is so helpful. And, of course, you have so much respect for the life of the mind um, that you have studied uh, these disciplines all over the world. And I thank you for that. And thanks for bringing all of that great knowledge back to the south side of Shy and all over the country, quite frankly. All over the country. All over the country. A lot of great things happen over here. I'm not mad. I'm not mad, and I love it. I love it, and I love you. So talk to us. What is the good news today? Because Shirley Carter from beautiful Philadelphia, as they're excited about Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, yes, yes. I understand, girl. <laughs> um, you know, people need that more than ever because we've had a lot of things that have been that have weighed, that have weighed us down a little bit. It's been tough watching this video, these videos of Tyree Nichols' murder. Yeah, yeah. we need something to lift our spirits, bring a little joy, put a smile on our face. And as we consider that, I want us to embrace this new chapter. It's a new year, so that means it's a new chapter. And like most people, I have over the years tried to control so many aspects of my life. And guess what? That hasn't always worked out in my favor. It's like just when I thought I had it all under control, life would inconveniently show me many, many, many times that I was getting a little too arrogant, a little too cocky in that department. You name it, I've tried to control it from my schedule to my time, just in case I'm talking to any other type A personalities. You know what I'm talking about. You can say amen right here. Uh, all of these Leave me alone. Opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> I've even gone to the point of foregoing random opportunities because my mind was so made up on going in a certain direction, even in those moments where I really should have given that other thing more consideration. Now, to be clear, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll soothe some of your pain, Tantita, none of these are necessarily bad. Planning your time, at least to efficiency, foregoing things because you are on a mission means you might be on a path to your purpose. But when you do these things day in and day out like we do, all at the same time, well, let's just say the process can get stressful. But I tried it anyway because I figured I might as well try to control what I could since life was going to be random no matter what. And it also gave me satisfaction, almost a somewhat false sense of accomplishment, that I was shaping my own destiny. And I think that most of us really fall into this way of thinking because we all want to foresee things before they can potentially happen in order for us to feel safe because safety and security, that's big for human beings. But ironically, when we try to control life, we end up missing out on possibilities that may have come our way if only we'd let go and allow life to simply happen. Listen, try as we may. We can't always control life. And sometimes painful things happen that we couldn't possibly predict or prevent. And what I've learned in these situations and moments that's helped me to better cope with the unpredictability of life is that life happens for me. Life doesn't happen to me. And after seemingly bad or painful experiences, create an opportunity for something bigger and something better to take place in my life. Indeed, you and I cannot foresee what's coming down the road as much as we want to. We can only choose our attitude when we hit roadblocks along the journey, which unfortunately, which ultimately rather, shapes our choices. When life doesn't go to plan, we've got to embrace the change and realize that our lives are composed of chapters. One has to end before another one can begin. 
But we can't move on to the next chapter if we're continually rereading the old chapter. We have to willingly accept that life will go on and that we have have a chance to create something bigger and oftentimes something better. Our time on this earth, it's a limited time. We've got an expiration date, and it's, it's constantly passing at the same speed with no bias. This means that with time, the inner turmoil you're currently dealing with, without a doubt, it's going to pass. Last but not least, before we can move on to our next chapter, we have to accept what is happening in the present moment. Then and only then can we proceed forward with some calmness and some clarity. Now, I understand that what I'm suggesting is not going to be easy to digest when you're in a place where you're hurting, but know that our lives become a lot happier when we strive to make the most of what life gives us. And I'm encouraging you today to embrace the change, whatever it may be. Hold on to the notion that life could be creating space for you to do something different, maybe even something greater. And when I look back over my past, I realize that every loss has taught me beautiful, valuable lessons that now help me in the present. And guess what? The same is likely true for you. In these moments of inner turmoil, take mental note that will help you grow and help you in the future when dealing with whatever else life decides to throw you away. Here's the good news. You've made it through loss and hardship before. So what makes you think that you can't now? The answer is you can and you will. You just needed me to remind you that of that today. And you just need to remember three things. Life happens for your benefit, not against it. Everything heals with enough time. And it's pointless to keep resisting. Here's the good news. Your next chapter could be even more amazing than the previous one. I hope you have an amazing day as you embrace this new chapter of your life. Mm. I love that. I love that more than I can tell you. And uh, killing me softly with his song. I felt he looked right through me in all my dark despair. I want to thank you for that because that was for me today. And it was for someone else. It was for, my, for a whole lot of people. Move on, everybody. Keep on going. That's what God does. A new day every day. Oh. Gosh, it's wonderful. Love you, Pastor Stephen Thurston. And you are now moved to Fridays for your Facebook Live. Just very quickly, tell us when we can catch that. Yep, Friday, 3 p.m. Central Standard Time on my Facebook page. That's Stephen with the PH, Stephen Thurston. You'll find me there smiling, waiting to drop some nuggets on you this Friday in the area of leadership and how we ought to lead people through change most effectively and efficiently. Mm, I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, you know what? We love you, Pastor Stephen Thurston. Get the book Mirror Moments, everybody. Mirror Moments. It is going to bless you. It has already blessed me and so many thousands of others. Thank you so much, Pastor Stephen Thurston. We've got Dr. Shanina Knight, infection preventionist, registered nurse, college lecturer. Oh, she's head of the uh, of an organization, really, that um, is the largest of its kind in the world. More epidemiologists and, F- and infection preventionists are part of this group than any other. And I want to ask her about COVID-19. It turns out, although the World Health Organization says, hey, we're still in this pandemic, it seems like the United States is pushing to move on. President Biden has declared May 
Indeed, he has said that May 11th, COVID-19 national and public emergencies, that it will end. You know, you'll no longer get free COVID tests and treatments and on and on and on. Do you think we're there yet? I mean, just as a public health uh, professional, are we there yet? Oh, and, and what can we do? Um, what can we do? I mean, as it seems like we're phasing out of this. The four minutes I've got, they belong to you. Good morning. So I first and foremost want to say that, yes, these opinions are of my own and don't represent um, the organization that I work for. When I say that I do not think that this is more so all a health-based decision as much as I think that it is a political and economical one, and it is challenging to not think about the two as how that goes together with understanding, like, the financial distress that our country is in. So it's not like, let's say, a right or a wrong in this particular instance, but unfortunately there will be casualties and people will suffer as a result of us not having access to those resources. I also want to highlight that even though those resources have been there, there still continues to be issues around equity and making sure that people have access to these resources, which I do commend the efforts of making sure that education is there, making sure that, you know, um, funding specifically targeted minority populations to start to correct some of the wrongs that were done early in the pandemic. But unfortunately, we're not there. And when I look up and I say that long COVID exists, there are unintended consequences for us to declare anything to be over when we don't even fully understand how people are suffering after COVID is of concern to me. No, I don't think that, you know, there is, let's say, um, direct correlations between some of the things that are happening with our young people but it is worth investigating, especially when we know that CDC mentions the cardiac issues that are associated with vaccines, with the COVID vaccine. We know that, you know, when some of these claims come out, they're worth us spending just as much time on them as we do spend on pushing forth the initiative. And so I do hope that even though that is what is declared, that there is like, let's say, some sort of gray area or the small fine print that does say that some of these studies will continue as a result of that. However, we can't be in this situation forever and we have to learn to practice infection prevention and control because otherwise, when the next pandemic comes around, if we're still stuck on this one, then how can we be prepared? Well, very quickly, Joyce um, said that two people she knows have tested positive and uh, she had a severe, horrific bout, even though she's fully vaccinated. Why are people getting really sick, even though they've been fully vaccinated? I mean, you know, what can we do? You know, just the strange, the strange change. So when the okay. vaccines were created, the strains that we were dealing with early on in the pandemic, remember I told you that we were essentially 
trying um, old tricks on a new dog, which I know yeah. is a reverse of what this saying is. That's because if we're using old vaccines, um, when we know that there's been many mutations and variations of COVID, then it's not going to be effective or as effective. And so people that are getting severely sick are from the newer strains that are coming out. And unfortunately, that is it's continued to evolve. Like COVID hasn't stopped changing, which is why we have to change. Mm. Amen to that, everybody. Go to at Hey Dr. Nina. Hey Dr. Nina is her is her tag, is, is her handle. H E Y D R N I N A. You don't want to miss it. Coming up, let's talk about Tyree Nichols. This white police officer, Attorney Benjamin Crompoff, to know why was he shielded? Why are we just finding out about him now? He was the one who initiated the stop. Back in just a minute. Santita Jackson Show. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, January 31st. 2023. WCPTA 20, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. I am Santita Jackson. It's a joy to be with you today. And we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to be talking about Ilhan Omar. Um, AM 950 Radio, what a tremendous congressperson you have in Ilhan Omar. She's being blocked from a critical committee uh, because of her political stances. As are other Democrats, and this is happening on the watch of and under the direction of the new Speaker of the House. And so we've got to talk about that. And then how Chicago mayoral candidates, when more than one are running on law and order, how they're responding to the Tyree Nichols case. And we have, as our special guest this morning, a state representative, Tennessee State Representative G.A. Hardaway. We're so excited to have him so he can talk to us about what's happening there. And um, and what the path forward is legislatively, of course, Attorney Daryl Jones from the Transformative Justice Coalition and brilliant social scientist Dwight McKee. But first, we are getting ready for the Super Bowl, the historic Super Bowl, where you will have Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles and Patrick Mahomes of Kansas City. What's so special about that? For the first time in the 57-year history of this game, you will have two African-American starting quarterbacks, routinely African-Americans who started as quarterbacks, many of whom played brilliantly. Up until really recently, recently, recent history, and I would say certainly within the past 40, 20 years, you know, we now more and more see black quarterbacks. And you would have black quarterbacks who'd be relegated into the running back position and other positions just so that they would not have that leadership position on the football teams. Do not take what will be happening on February 12th with Mr. Hertz and Mr. Mahomes lightly. You have people like Joe Gilliam. You have people like Warren Moon and so many who paved the way. And, um, and some uh, really paved the way with their lives because the disappointment drove them into a lot of painful habits. So think about that. 
on that day as we approach this historic day. Before we get to State Representative G.A. Hardaway and this panel, I want to hear from you, Shapiro. What is going on? You're getting ready for, you said, what is it, February 14th and February 12th. Talk to us. Yes. Yes, we are. And celebrations by us. We are gearing up for Valentine's Day as well as also the Super Bowl. So give us a call at 708-526-4546. 708-526-4546. We can handle all of your uh, hot wings, your barbecue wings, as well as your meatballs, your sliders, and sandwiches. So whatever it is that you need for your Super Bowl party, give us a call. Also, Santita, we are promoting now our Courtney Copeland Memorial Foundation annual gala. That's going to be held on March 3rd, um, 2023. And we're right now um, selling tickets for that event. So give us a, a call or visit our website at www.copelandmemorial.com and you can purchase your tickets there. Thank you so much, Santita. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, let's talk about the latest in this Kyrie Nichols case. It gets more and more interesting. Ben Crump is the headline. Says the only known white Memphis police officer relieved of duty in Tyree Nichols' death pulled from car, pulled him from the car and hit him with a taser, yet he had his identity protected. Uh, that was mentioned yesterday and has now become a story this morning. I want to know what you think about this um, this young man who's not been fired. He's not been charged, but he has been relieved of duty. 26 years of age, Preston Hemphill, uh, relieved of duty, put on paid administrative leave. But as we watched these five black police officers march out, we never heard anything about him, the person who was on the initial stop. There's a lot going on here, everybody, and I am trying to figure it out. Attorney Daryl Jones, Transformative Justice Coalition, Dwight McKee, and oh my goodness, let us start with you, uh, State Representative, Tennessee State Representative, G.A. Hardaway. I don't even know where to begin. It's like every day, and throughout the day, it seems like the story just continues to change. You've had more people who have been relieved of duty, more people who've been fired, more people who were involved in this tragedy. Welcome to this show. Well, good morning to you, uh, Santita, and good morning to all of your listeners. Uh, and as usual, we want to uh, begin by extending our deepest condolences and our uh, wishes of prayers uh, for comfort and care to the family of young Tyree Nichols. Uh, you know, I was talking with uh, some reporters yesterday, and the phrase that came to mind for me was curiouser and curiouser. That's out of Alice in Wonderland. Where things just get stranger and stranger every day. And it also reminds me of what my mom would tell me and my siblings. If you tell the truth, you ain't got to remember what you say. It's that simple. Uh, we've got what appears to be an evolving story that uh, just bit by bit, no matter what our eyes see, uh, we're only told the complete story uh, in it's being part. Uh, that's not transparency. That's not truth. 
And as I've said before, if you don't have transparency, truth, you don't have the trust of the Memphis and Shelby County and the Tennessee uh, citizens. Uh, And without that trust, the uh, Memphis Police Department and no other law enforcement agency can do its job because you can't protect the community unless the community is, in essence, protecting you. So we, we know now that not only did our eyes not deceive us when we saw more than five officers on the scene, we know now that our eyes did not deceive us when we saw black and white officers on the scene. We know now that our eyes didn't deceive us when we saw uh, one officer who happened to be the white officer, actually tased, uh, appeared to tase uh, Mr. Nichols while he was on the ground. And he appeared to be the one that tried to shoot the taser dot at Mr. Nichols when he was literally running for his life. So we've got a lot more to come out. Uh, It's astonishing to me that there can be administrative, not just the oversight, in making uh, the complete number of involved personnel, making that available to the public. But the fact that you have taken administrative action against some of these uh, policemen, but you didn't even reveal that. You you, uh, uh, put them on administrative leave, and you did not feel compelled to share that with the public. Why? Why? I I can't understand the way this goes, and I hope uh, our police chief uh, gets better uh, counseling, better uh, advice on how to communicate with her uh, constituents, and that's who we are. I hope the mayor gets better advice on how to communicate with his constituents, but that administration has done an abysmal job of sharing critical information with the public in order to foster trust and uh, to promote transparency so we can work with them as everything unfolds. And I, I'm, uh, I'm torn for what the family of Tyree Nichols is going through uh, because it, the story keeps changing and they never know if they're getting the whole story, what really happened to their child. Uh, this is this is terrible. We're talking with State Representative G.A. Hardaway from Tennessee about these new revelations that continue to just come out about this Tyree Nichols um, about this Tyree Nichols case. Uh, we've seen the five police officers that sparked a whole conversation. A state representative Hardaway about black on black crime and black people being used um, by the police to, to to double down and be harmful to the black community. But then you see that it was a young white kid, 26, who actually chased Tyree, pulled him out of his vehicle, and said, I hope they stop your ASS. I mean, whoa. And then Attorney Crump, as being the attorney of record for the family, is saying, wait a minute, we didn't know about this. With all that you told us, with all, with all that you showed us, we didn't even know 
this other police officer was involved. I mean, and of course, you know, that he's white is of some consequence, but it's not of all consequence. We're looking at police brutality, whatever, whatever the color of the police is. But what do you make of that? Is he getting special treatment? Is that the sense? Is he a cooperating witness? I mean, there's a lot that we don't know, but it's just the speculation can lead us down a rabbit hole. State Representative Hardaway. Uh, yes, ma'am. I, I think uh, you're right. We're down that rabbit hole and we're trying to figure out how to get out and what's real and what's not. That's one reason that I was hesitant to give praise to the police department, the Memphis Police Department, on the hasty, uh, it looked like it was swift actions, and now it looks like it was hasty uh, actions on their part to put those five officers out there, their pictures, their names, uh, to take administrative uh, uh, action against them after investigation and move to uh, actually uh, indict them, not charge them, but indict them. Uh, And it it all moves so quickly with only five when we knew it was nine or ten officers Mm -hmm. on the scene. So I, I was hesitant then because... Things just didn't make sense to me. And speaking to some of the uh, officers uh, within the Memphis Police Department, not directly involved, and speaking to some of the more seasoned officers who have seen this picture before, um, they assured me that I wasn't crazy, that there had to be more going on. You can't have that type of incident, have the call go out uh, for assistance, and not have more personnel involved in that activity, which resulted in the chase and the murder of young Tyree Nichols. So I I, I say to you, we're still uh, getting information that dribbles out. Uh, I don't think that everyone in the administration who's going to leave the Memphis Police Department has been relieved of duty. This could go higher and higher and higher. Mm. Tennessee State Representative G.A. Hardaway is with us this morning, giving us really an assessment and giving us information about what's happening on the ground there in Memphis as we all around the country are riveted, uh, State Representative Hardaway, by what is going on here. I mean, it impacts so many of us in Chicago because so many of us are Memphians. Uh, So many of us are Mississippians. You know, we came here, you know, in several different ways. And one wave, uh, one of the the great waves, of course, was prompted by yet another lynching, if you will, of Emmett Till. And one of those persons who ended up coming here with his family as a little boy from Memphis is social scientist, indeed one of the founding members of Operation Push, uh, with the National Action Network doing so much great work in the Sankofa Project here in Chicago, does so much great work. And of course, Attorney Daryl Jones, chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition. But let me start with you, Dwight. Why don't you react to what you've heard Tennessee State Representative G.A. Hardaway say? I mean, he's been telling us this story continues to evolve, and you were very conservative, if I must say, on, on Reverend Jackson's show on Sunday. I mean, you were not reluctant to to speak, uh, State Representative Hardaway, but you said, you know, there's a lot we don't know. You kept cautioning us, and I, I, I made a mental note. 
I made a mental note. I made a mental note. And Santit, uh, we've got to realize that just because folks look like the uh, same color uh, doesn't mean that they're they've got our best interest in mind. Uh, the old saying, "All skin ain't kin," and we'll mm. see that as this plays out. But if we uh, just use common sense on how the uh, the protocols are that are in place for the Memphis Police Department, we know that when you begin a chase, that you've got to notify your superiors. We know when you have the type of violent uh, arrest that occurred, that you've got to notify your superiors. We know when you transport for injuries, you've got to have notice to your superiors. So uh, that automatically means that this is spread through the system. There are individuals out there who know more than they're saying publicly, and we're gonna we're gonna see what that is uh, shortly. Uh, we can't count on everything, obviously, to come out through the channels of the Memphis Police Department. I think as we uh, we start to get into the the season. After uh, Mr. Nichols has been laid to rest, uh, his homecoming, that will start to get more uh, folks who will feel uh, compelled to speak, whether they speak out uh, publicly or whether they speak uh, through uh, trusted messengers such as myself. I think you'll start to get more information that will tell you that this tragedy involved more folk. And we can't solve it. We can't prevent future tragedies if we don't have transparency and truth from the Memphis Police Department and the trust of the community. Uh, They don't know the answers. If they did, we wouldn't be in this position. I wouldn't uh, be talking to you about this topic this morning. But I can tell you this, that if you have a... Uh, police chief that, that is speaking about the failure and uh, to hire supervisors and that you're a hundred some supervisors short for the department. My first question is, why do we have folks on the street who cannot be adequately supervised? I mentioned that before, that uh, the, uh, the chain of command and uh, who was supervising these folks uh, who are out there being uh, criminal gangs and carrying out uh, criminal gang activity uh, on the uh, the inside of the badge? Uh, those folks were acting in a uh, with a blue rage. They, they were out there wilding uh, with that type of mentality that you find in prisons and with uh, the criminal gangs in prisons when there are riots and disturbances and. They exact uh, revenge on uh, other gang members who betrayed them or gang members on the other side. That's the kind of bestiality and primeval uh, actions that we saw. No conscience, uh, just steadily abusing and brutalizing a citizen for no reason at all. It's reflective of what black folks have gone through. Uh, since the slavery days, since uh, black folks have gone through, since the uh, the police uh, units were set up 
primarily to capture uh, runaway slaves and then later to discipline uh, black folks in general uh, with the night riding and the uh, the lynchings. Uh, it's crazy. You mentioned earlier that some black folks moved to Chicago. I have people in Chicago, I guess, like every every other black person. And the stories just a couple of generations back will tell you that it was this type of violence, this type of uh, abuse of the law under the the, uh, the color of the law that we had to suffer through. And, and some black folks had to flee, leaving everything behind to keep from getting lynched or keep their families from being murdered. Uh, we did a... Uh, uh, a bill a while back that would investigate uh, lynchings, would investigate that type of uh, horror that was exacted upon us back during uh, the uh, the 50s and the 40s uh, and even the 60s and 70s. And what was astonishing to me is how many of the families that we investigated had no relatives left in Tennessee, that everyone that had to pull up a stake in the middle of the night and flee to the uh, another state, uh, usually uh, Illinois uh, was a primary uh, recipient, sometimes uh, Michigan, in order to save their lives. So I, I, all of this stuff comes together. It's a bigger picture uh, in terms of our culture, our history. But it all boils down to simply that we allowed these guys on the streets. Uh, they were hired uh, and put out there uh, knowing that there had already been a failed experiment in Atlanta with that Red Dog uh, unit that they had down there. And the special problems that, that uh, went with it, including loss of life and uh, abuse of power. So we, we already knew that that type of unit when not properly supervised, when the personnel had not been properly vetted, we know that they could go out of control and we end up with a Putin-type, uh, as your your, uh, your dad said, goon squad on the street, uh, North Korea-type uh, justice, or, they, or communist China-type justice. This isn't America. Not like that. It's sick. Well, it's not... It's not supposed to be. Dwight McKee, I've got about three minutes. They belong to you. Well, you know, that's the problem when you have the lack of transparency that you have is that it gives rise to rumors and innuendos that uh, can't be verified necessarily, but take root. And so now you have these rumors, everything around that police probably may have known And that he may have been involved with one of the the ex-girlfriends of one of the policemen, and this was very personal. Uh, Everything from that to this is just a random pattern that they have that, as the, the, the good doctor just said, is that they were just out wilding, and that's now their style. And so...
is a fact that they knew uh, Tyree, and this was a jealousy issue, then the charges need to, need to be up, up, upgraded from a second-degree murder to premeditated murder, first-degree murder. And it becomes a whole different trial if that, in fact, is real. But it's hard to know what's real and what's not real, what's real and what's memorex if there's not transparency and you don't have the real facts. You know, every day, I mean, throughout the day, we're getting a different set of facts. I know one of our listeners yesterday was disputing the fact that there was a white officer involved. I said, wait, that's already been established. People who've seen the tape have saw him. Okay. But you know, I mean, it's the code of blue. You know, racism is a part of this. But power over He's not charged with a crime. He's not been charged with He's just been relieved of duty. He still is getting a paycheck. <laughs> what do you think about that, everybody? Call us at 773-763-9278. 773-763-WCPT. The Santita Jackson Show on the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, WCPT. At AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota, having a special conversation with this panel, led by Tennessee State Representative G.A. Hardaway, helping us to understand what's going on down there in Memphis. Everybody, please check out the Morning Stars on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. We're going to be talking straight to the commercial break and Santita Jackson and friends. You don't want to miss that conversation either. Back in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It's Tuesday, January 31st, 2023. I'm coming to you the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. At the bottom of the hour, we will be talking with John Nichols of the Nation magazine. Chicago mayoral race early voting has started. Everybody get out and vote, 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 vote. The election itself is February 28th. But even this Tyree Nichols case, it has resonated here. You have at least two of the top tier candidates who are running on law and order. How will this reshape the campaign here? I mean, Chicago is famous or infamous, and it has been for decades, everybody, for crime. When I was in, oh my goodness, I was over in Europe when I was 14, many, many years ago. And they would ask you, where are you from, Chicago? They'd say, bang, 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 Al, Al Capone. Now, this was in the 70s, okay? I went to Cuba that same summer. Where are you from, Chicago? Bang, 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 Al Capone. Let's be clear. Well, so violence did not start in 2018. Thank you very much. Uh, but we have an opportunity to end it today, but it's going to be a very painful process. We're talking with Tennessee State Representative G.A. Hardaway, who's giving us some really tremendous insights into this Tyree uh, Nichols case. There's so much that's coming out every single day. And we're so grateful that he is joining Dwight McKee, noted social scientist, the chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition, um, attorney Daryl Jones, and brilliant uh, scholar and author and lawyer, 
Mark Fancher, who has joined us. So stay right here, everybody. I want you to call us at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. And perhaps we can find out why this white police officer, who's very young, 26 years of age, uh, Preston Hemphill, why he's been shielded. He was the man who dragged... Tyree out of the car. He was the man who said, I hope they stomp his ASS. He was the man who tased him. But he's still drawing a paycheck. Yeah. He's been relieved of his duty, but he's not been fired and he's not been charged with a crime. Maybe that'll be coming. I don't know. We're going to be talking about that, everybody. What did you say, Robert? Bingo, bam, boom, drop my mic drop, all of that. We've got to find out what's going on here. Because what's happening in Memphis really shines a light on what's happening throughout the country. In Chicago, we'll have a high of 12 degrees, mostly sunny. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 10 degrees, mostly sunny. It is cold. Everyone is waiting for February 12th. This NFL history-making Super Bowl. For the first time in the history of that 57-year game, Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles and Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City. Well, they are two African-Americans. They will be starting at quarterback. It's never happened before. But every time these black quarterbacks have been given the opportunity to shine, they have broken records. I can't forget Doug Williams, one of the winningest college uh, quarterbacks in history, played under the great Eddie Robinson. Uh, he came in and threw those four uh, touchdowns in one in the first quarter, shut John Elway down and shut everybody else up and made us all believers. Oh, yeah, when we're given the opportunity, we do great things on these stages. In the NBA, the Kings 118, the Timberwolves 111. The Clippers will be playing the Bulls tonight. In the NHL, both of the Chicago and Minneapolis teams got a bit of a break, everybody. There are um, ice storms all over the country. 1,100 flights were canceled yesterday, and a similar number will be canceled today, everybody. Please call and check and see if your flight has been affected. President Joe Biden intends to end COVID-19 national and public health emergencies on May 11th. No more free shots, COVID shots, uh, vaccines, none of that. You'll be paying for treatments now and all of that. The enhanced social safety benefits, that will be ended too. Do you want that to end? You need to call your representative and let them know. Then no, you don't want them to end. You need that. Everybody, we have been, as we're talking about, oh, goodness, we're talking about so much. We're talking about financial freedom. We're talking about all kinds of freedom. Uh, and really, the freedom to breathe, the freedom to live. We're looking at the perks and work cap campaign by the, by Team Hochberg. I want you all to get involved in that. Call 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, because they can help you, help you to save thousands as you buy or sell a home. If you're selling your home, if you're purchasing a new home and you'd like to save thousands of dollars, yes, thousands, you need to call Team Hochberg at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID. They're your trusted local lender. Team Hochberg is ever offering everyone an opportunity to be a part of their approach at work benefit program through the end of April. It can save you thousands of dollars as you buy your new home, as you sell the home that you're in. This is how it works. Team Hochberg, they are affiliated realtors. Well, they will sell your home. They'll reduce their fee up to 1%. That's a lot of money, everybody. When the Team Hochberg, um, they will credit their loan origination fee. And their affiliated attorney will reduce their fee. That's a lot of money. Um, their realtors reducing their commission by 1%. Uh, 
their attorneys, reducing their commissions, their loan origination fees, all of that can save you thousands of dollars. There is a couple that saved $9,000 through this program. It could be you. When they sold their home and when they purchased a new home, because of all of these fees that were saved, this perfect work program, they were able to save $9,000. It could be you to learn how you can save thousands, thousands. Please call Team Hochberg at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, or go to visit them at 56david.com, 56david.com. They're your equal housing lender. Let's get right, let's get right back to it. Every day, it seems that we're finding out something new, something new about this program. And we just thought it was rumor, uh, Tennessee State Representative G.A. Hardaway, that, you know, there was a, a white police officer involved. But if you had seen the whole tape with things which corporate media have not shown again, you saw a white hand, you saw a white person, you said, okay, so this is a, a police thing. I mean, this is just, this is a cultural thing. I mean, what is the takeaway for all of us, and and I mean, and now we find out about this program that occurred under the watch of your current um, of your current uh, police superintendent. I mean, and now people are calling for her to lose her job, for her to resign. I mean, I realize the funeral is tomorrow, and people, out of respect for um, the Nichols family, you kind of you you need that process to go forward. But what is the path forward? I mean, what is next? Because even in the midst of their grief, we still have to, I mean, will there be trials? Will these guys plead out? Will this Preston Hemphill, will he be charged with anything? Is that what it's looking like? I mean, do we know anything more at this time? Well, Santita, you know, early on I cautioned that we needed to be uh, conscious of the fact that due process is um, at risk here. And that having five black police officers who would charge so quickly, and they say it swiftly, I say hastily, that we put uh, ourselves at risk, black folks who for centuries uh, have not been afforded due process, uh, even before the, uh, the United States was, uh, uh, became a nation, uh, we weren't afforded due process. We weren't afforded uh, due process afterwards. Uh, we were actually written out of the Constitution and only used as numbers to establish the uh, the voting strength uh, of the different states, especially the slaveholding states, so that the non-slaveholding states, uh, they wouldn't get uh, overwhelmed by black folks uh, going to the polls uh, and controlling the slaveholding states. But that's a, a, a whole new discussion. But the fact is, a due process, uh, we had a distorted view of it being carried out. And yet, MPD and the, uh, the Strickland administration was being praised for getting it going so swiftly. Uh, if you recall, I, I cautioned. Look, we still need more information. Uh, we've got to protect that basic constitutional right for the current uh, uh, folks who live, work, play in uh, Tennessee and Memphis and Shelby County, but also for those all over uh, the nation. If we don't have due process, then we're back into those uh, those slavery and uh, apartheid days. 
So moving so quickly on the black officers, knowing full well that there was a at least one white officer who was directly involved, uh, whether you're putting hands on young Tyree or whether you're putting the taser on him when he was on the ground or whether you're shooting the taser at him when he's fleeing, running for his life, literally running for his life. Uh, if you participated in that, you should have been in that first round of firing. You should have been in that first round of charges uh, for violating uh, young Tyree's uh, uh, rights. So we've got to be cautious even now that we don't move too fast and deny the officers uh, due process because we're the ones who will lose in the long run if we allow it to be violated and we uh, we cheer and uh, we we celebrate uh, what, in essence, uh, will hurt us in the long run. Let's do this. Let's do it the right way. But for that to happen, I'll say again, we need truth and transparency uh, out of the Memphis Police Department and the, uh, the mayor's administration so we can trust you. When even city council can't get straight answers, and the Memphis Police Department gets their budget uh, from the city council. They uh, have ordinances that they have to follow uh, that are set by the city council. Uh, something's wrong. And I'll quote uh, uh, Lewis Carroll again with Alice in Wonderland. Uh, it just seems to be curiouser and curiouser. And when it's that confusing, it rains, and when you just can't figure it out. It's because someone's not being truthful. And you know what? And don't stop there. Lewis Carroll would tell us to go through the looking glass. <laughs> We're on the other side of this thing. This is just too much. You make me pick up that classic one more time. We've got attorney Mark Fancher, who is a brilliant, brilliant lawyer out of Detroit. Um, and I wonder what, you, what your assessment is. You know, and, and we've, uh, Attorney Hardaway, I mean, excuse me, State Representative Hardaway, we have taken the care to bring people from all over the country to talk to you and to talk to Attorney Bailey, because this is something that, that has impacted us all, because we all deal with this in every city in which we live. You know, every black mother and father are afraid for their child to go out. You want your husband, your partner, your man to get home. Now you're worried about your daughter, your wife, your partner. Everybody is just because Sandra Bland was a woman. Breonna Taylor was at home. I mean, goodness gracious. You just don't feel safe anywhere. Mark Fancher. Well, what happened with this white officer sounds very familiar to me. Um, I represent a black police officer uh, in Detroit. Um, several years ago, uh, when he was off duty and in plain clothes, he accidentally stumbled onto an unmarked crime scene. And white officers descended on him, they berated him, they cursed at him, they yelled at him. Uh, he identified himself as a police officer. It made no difference. They continued in on him. They put handcuffs on him uh, and tightened the cuffs so tight that they bit into his wrist. He, he asked for them to release the cuffs or loosen them. They wouldn't. Uh, they threatened to charge him with everything in the book. And um, then when the, the supervising officer arrived on the scene, he pulled uh, my client aside and said, listen, 
you're not going to say anything about this. This goes nowhere from tonight. You're not going to complain about this. Uh, and my client said, yes, I am. I definitely will. And so he warned him and told him, you know, if you do, there will be consequences for you. Uh, so he went ahead and filed a, a, an internal complaint against these white officers, uh, complaining about what they did to him and said that it was racial. Uh, and immediately internal affairs began to investigate him and they brought charges against him. They began to conduct surveillance of him, uh, and it created all kinds of problems for him personally and professionally. Uh, but that was just one example of the kinds of ways in which they protect white officers within that department. Uh, white officers are given special treatment, and we don't appreciate, I think, many times, those of us who are not in law enforcement, the extent to which uh, with that Police departments are their own separate little uh, discrete insular societies that have their own rules and their own dynamics, and it doesn't matter that they're at odds with what everything with what else else is going on outside of their own little society. Uh, so you know they they enjoy the protection. White officers enjoy the protection of unions uh, to a degree that black officers frequently don't. Uh, so none of this comes as a surprise. It sounds very familiar. And we don't know yet all of the, the dynamics that contributed to what happened in Memphis in terms of this officer being shielded. But the fact that he was uh, is very consistent with, with what happens in many departments. Attorney Daryl Jones, do you believe that this officer was shielded or is this just pure coincidence? Oh, I absolutely believe the officer uh, was shielded. Let me tell you, you know, as uh, as as Mark was talking, you know, I was making a note what he was saying about the police department being its own society, and, and it very much is its own society. They circle their wagons when they need to. In this particular situation, I think that what you see happening is that you know you you see the police department willing to sever some toes to save the foot. So you know. They, they realize that if they you know, get rid of these, they take this quick action on these five officers. It throws you off the track. You'll now just concentrate on the five and not the rest of the society that's there and what else was going on. So, you know, I, I completely agree with, with what Mark has laid out with regards to, you know, their society. And if it comes to the point, and, and I'll say it and I'll say it again, it comes to the point where we have to start looking at the individual and personal liability of the officers for the actions that they've taken. It does not make sense that uh, uh, that this white officer, uh, Hempel, who, you know, initiated part of this pulled him out of the car, tased him, was not exposed, was not completely laid out. I also put this one at the, at the feet of the city council there because the city council has got to hold their own hearing. They've got to bring the police department in. As, as uh, the representative uh, said, they control the police budget. You know, the police need to come and answer to them, answer the questions, make them put, turn on the lights, pull back the sheets and see what was in this bed. I think that, you know, uh, for the members of that city council, they've got to stand up, 
for the community because you know the city council, uh, Santita, as you know, that that's 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 about as close to the rubber in the road as you're going to get. You know that that's where the people have the most influence is right there. They've got to stand up and represent the people of that of that city and find out and get to the bottom of what happened, who knew about it, and do what they can to uh, to you know certainly expose anything that's there. And I agree with the representative as as we continue to hear more information, we're going to see more layers of this onion that are becoming exposed and it's going to be rotten at its core. That's what I anticipate, Santita. Well, you know, if you don't mind, uh, I'm going to ask our board operator to call John Nichols to see if we can reschedule because there's just, this is an onion and we're trying to peel it. And I think we, we need to do that. I certainly would love the state representative to stay with a little longer, but I understand a lot of people pulling at him. So whenever you need to jump, you can. But I have this question for you before we go to the break. How did the story about Mr. Hemphill, Officer Hemphill, come out? I mean, because we just, we, you know, we've had this deluge of you know, these five black police officers and how dreadful, with the, how dreadful their actions were. And they were. They were. And I'm not going to let them operate under the cover of darkness, everybody. Right is right if it's in the trash can, and wrong is wrong if your mama does it. And that's just where we have to be. We have to be that way about race. Skin ain't kin, as you have said. State Representative Hardaway. How did this How did this come out? I mean, because it's just, it has been hidden. We've had, we've had this wonderful interview with Don Lemon and, and your police superintendent. That was not even mentioned. I'm like, are you saying Don didn't ask? She didn't offer it? I'm like, well, what is going on? Well, and that's one reason you you can you can like the folks that you're having to work with and uh, uh, in, in some cases interview, but you can't be in love with them. I'm like all of my, my coworkers. Uh, my coworkers mean my fellow legislators, whether on the city, the county, or the state level. Uh, however, I ain't in love with them. I'm in love with my constituents, and that's where my uh, my loyalties lie. Uh, I have no problem in asking uh, those hard questions. I have no problem in bringing our citizens uh, in and insisting on transparency. One of the problems that we have may be that it may be that we have we don't have a strong uh, citizens law enforcement review board. Uh, we have a clear it's, it's, uh, the city uh, has made an attempt. Our city council uh, has made an attempt at it, but the uh, the state came in and said, "Well, we're not going to give you subpoena power." So, which in essence says that ain't nobody really got to talk to you. Uh, there needs to be a reworking uh, of the relationship between third and the city council, so the city council uh, can use subpoena power to support clergy uh, in a real way, uh, give them more adequate funding so they can have stronger investigatory uh, powers. Uh, these are the citizens, citizen oversight. That's where the true transparency occurs, and we, we kind of have more of these clergy units everywhere that we have uh, law enforcement agencies, so the civilians can stay involved. Your question about why did it come out like it did—that's uh, the really the, the the thing that doesn't make a bit of sense. If we didn't get the information before the release of the tapes, 
we certainly knew that the tapes were going to show everything in black and white. Yeah, pun intended, uh, of what occurred. So I can't answer why something that was going to be clear and focused to us wasn't revealed to us before they released the tape. There's an old blues uh, line that says, who are you going to believe, me or your lion eyes? Uh, so that's the choice we've got right now. Uh, who are we going to believe? Who are you going to believe? <laughs> who are you going to believe? You sounded like my great-grandma like every day. You said, don't make a bit of sense. Thank you for that reminder. This woman couldn't read or write, but she made all the sense in the world. And she also said that God will not be mocked. We need to stop playing, y'all. Stay right here. Call us at 773-763-9278. And join the morning stars here on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. We had a lot of conversation about all of this. A lot of people want to know what the deal is on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel and on the Santita Jackson and Friends page. Back with more here on WCPT in just a few minutes. And AM 950 Radio. It's just so much. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show, January 31st, Tuesday, right here on WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio. The voice of progressive Minnesota. My morning stars. Hey, Ashley came down there in Memphis. And Daryl Prunty and Kenneth and, let me see, and Al Stanley Davis here. Saw you at last week at the mayoral forum. It was great to see you. Laura Bell, Mike Burries, and Renee Criswell, and so many of you. Bingo Roberts, and so many of you uh, today. Mildred and Carol, sending you all much love today as we talk about, um, as we continue to peel away this onion that is the Tyree Nichols case. Um it just seems like so much of the corruption uh, that we have discussed and that we've experienced in in black and marginalized communities. Um, now we're beginning to see it. And I think that, to me, that is the upside of this. As we talk with uh, Attorney Daryl Jones, Attorney Mark Fancher, Dwight McKee, and our special guest today is Tennessee State Representative G.A. Hardaway, trying to trying to figure out what's going on. He says, you know what, we are, um, we're, we're just in a very, very interesting position in a very interesting time. I mean, because we've heard about these black police officers, but now we find out that at the first stop, there were two. There was a white police officer who tased, who stopped Tyree, tased him, and pulled him out the car. No one has talked about that. Nobody. So now Attorney Ben Crump said he's been protected. Why? 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 And is that is that how you meet out justice? You protect some people, sacrifice the others? Or are we going to look at the whole problem? 
I mean, I just want to know, and I want to know that from everybody here. Let me start with you, Dwight. What about what about this problem? You know, protecting one police officer and then uh, throwing everybody else. Well, and they and they should they should be they should have been fired, and they should be charged, and they should be indicted. There's no question. But there are other people who need to be fired, charged, and indicted, and that's not happened. Well, it almost looks like a reflex where the black officers are sacrificed. Or sacrificable, or sacrificial, and the white officer, almost again by reflex, will be and can be protected, and that will really flow down, I think, to the perceptions that the unions will come in and protect the white officer, and the fraternities will come in, police fraternities, to protect the white officer, and they're willing to forego. The, uh, trying to protect and, and and get around to isolate the black officers. It's, it's almost like a situation where, okay, we need to put some people on the altar, so get the five black rams and let the virgin white ram go. Uh, because not only did he not get indicted, he, he hadn't been fired. And it's remarkable since he was the one that instigated the whole thing. He pulled him out of the car and said, "I hope they stomp his behind." And so it's it's a, a a mentality that he seemed like he should have been the first indicted, and he's the one that's unindicted. So I, I almost think it just feeds into the whole racism, the reflexes of of racism that the black guys are always the ones who can be sacrificed and the white guys are always the ones to be protected. I mean, Mark Fancher? Yeah, no, Dwight's exactly right. And, you know, I think that many of us just don't have a full appreciation for the way that, that white officers think. Uh, you know, it, it's not that they are necessarily, uh, you know, wild pack dogs that don't process information or think it. They just have a really distorted and, and, and corrupt perspective on the way that life works. Uh, if, you, if you really talk to most white police officers, here's the way they think. They think that what they're doing is a job that uh, they should be always congratulated for. And they should be congratulated for doing it because they are the ones charged with essentially maintaining uh, control over zoo animals. That they're, they're sent into these uh, low-income communities of color and that everybody there is violent and crazy and that they are the ones that put their lives on the line in order to protect the, the, the world from these, these kinds of, of people. And that... Uh, in order to do that, they have to treat them a certain way, and the world just does not understand what they're up against in terms of the danger that they're confronting every day. And so they're very resentful uh, because nobody is celebrating them all the time, and they get very confused and angry when there are these kinds of incidents and the world seems to come down on them like a ton of bricks. They just don't understand it. But beyond that, they also believe that in this age of so-called political correctness, that they have to look out for each other, 
that within the structure of a municipal police department where the leadership, you know, in the mayor's office, maybe even the police chief, uh, the city council may be dominated by black people or other people of color, that these white officers need to protect themselves within that institutional structure and they have to have each other's back. And so they go to great lengths uh, to create within that little insular society that they have in the department a whole you know, sociological construct uh, that ensures that they are always dominant, that they're always protected, and that they're always shielded. And they will stop at nothing in order to make sure that white officers are protected. You know, the reference was made to the unions. That is something that is a real threat for any police chief. They always realize that if there's a need for reform or to discipline somebody, that they're going to have to deal with the unions. And they're very reluctant to do anything that's going to antagonize them because the unions come at them you know, with, with, with a vengeance. They also, on a, on a more basic level, on a street level, and black officers feel this, they're concerned that when they're partnered with white officers, that if somehow they are not acting in a way that in, ensures the safety and the job security of these white officers, that these white officers are not going to have their back when they're on the street and that they're going to be endangered uh, because they count, count on them to come to their aid. So white officers have this thing locked down uh, institutionally and on a practical level on the ground. Uh, you know, the, the social forces that are present within a police department are such that this happens. So I'm speaking very broadly, and certainly that's not the case in every police department, but it's present in enough of them uh, that it is a real factor, and which is why I take the position that the institution of policing as it currently exists is beyond reform, that you cannot reform this uh, you cannot change this by giving officers more training, uh, helping them to become more sensitive or tolerant or any of those kinds of things. You can't change this by putting in place policies that presumably limit their conduct because they're going to do whatever they want to do, and we already know what they're going to do. The entire structure, the entire system of policing as we know it has to be broken down, uh, and public safety has to be completely reimagined. Uh, you can't have an army of, of soldiers patrolling city streets. Uh, what you have to have is you have to have diverse people with diverse credentials, people from diverse professions who are tailor-made for the city's actual needs in terms of public safety. You have to have mental health professionals. Uh, you have to have drug treatment specialists. You have to have psychologists. You have to have mediators. You have to have those kinds of people who are on call to respond to the real emergencies that communities face. And these, these, these soldier types, the ones who are aggressive and angry and who have a culture that is very racialized, they have to be kept to a minimum in the same way that police departments currently keep SWAT teams and, and, and units like that to a minimum, you don't see the SWAT team come out every day patrolling streets. They're just kept in reserve for those very dire situations where you have to have people with those skill sets. Uh, and I think that the current police officer who patrols the street, I think they need to be treated the same way and their numbers need to be radically reduced to break down this culture, which is so destructive. Well, you know, I would like to, I'd like the state representative to speak. Oh, well, I'm sorry? If I may add remarks to this, to what just Mark said real quickly. Uh -huh. is that Mark is not just about, 
it's not just about public safety, it's about police safety first. And they're taught that neutralize, the first, their first job is to neutralize the threat. But they see everything that we do and everything that we are as the threat. And so they come in with the mindset to to neutralize us uh, by any means necessary because it's really not about our safety, it's about their safety. And so we become the, the victim of all of that paranoia and all of the, the, the trained to be paranoid. And we become the victim of all that paranoia. Hmm. You know, and I, before I get back to uh, go back to to go to uh, Attorney Jones, I'd like you, uh, State Representative Hardaway, uh, TJ yesterday, one of one of my morning stars, and I thank you for tuning in, TJ, even when you disagree with what you're hearing. Um, but I wanted to get this clear because yesterday you didn't think that. Mr. Hemphill, Officer Hemphill, uh, was complicit, was not just complicit, he was involved. And you found out this morning that he is. And you so this morning, you say, um, not defending Preston Hemphill, he is scum like the others. I'm not going to call him scum. He's a human being, and he's a child of God. God loves him as much as he loves me, you, and everybody else. But he certainly is someone who is a, who has gone astray. You said, but his hands on his taser. So he was not the cop who pulled Tyree out of the car. Honey, we're looking at the video. I don't know what you're looking at. You keep looking for reasons to let this guy off the hook. Now, now, a state representative out of the way, what did, what did this guy do? What did Hemphill do? And why was he relieved of duty and he's still drawing a paycheck? They said that according to press reports and the video that I saw, and Dr. Damon Arnold was the one who brought this to our attention, the former head of the Illinois Department of Public Health. He asked me on Friday, he said, what is the deal? This guy, there's a white guy who started all of this. He tased him. He pulled him out of the car. Is that what happened, State Representative Hardaway? Well, um, as you know, I'm I trying to stick with stuff I'm absolutely not absolutely, but as confident as uh, my lion eyes would tell me. Uh, and that is that he was present at the initial uh, encounter. Uh, I can't confirm looking at the frames whether it was him that was actually pulling uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Nichols out of the car. I can tell you that he was there and he did um, apply the taser. Uh, to Mr. Nichols at that scene while he was on the ground. I can tell you that uh, he shot the darts uh, from the taser when Mr. Nichols was swinging for his life. I can tell you that uh, he did uh, give that uh, that uh, explanation uh, that he wanted them to stomp him when they catch him. Uh, mm-hmm. I can confirm all that. I saw that with my lying eyes. Uh, so we're still going to have to wait and see what the uh, the other videos that uh, there may or may not be some dash cam that can help us with the uh, whether uh, there was anything that was going on uh, to support the uh, the allegation of reckless driving or that dash cam may have caught some of the conversation that was going on in the car. Uh, when they decided that they were going to pursue Mr. Nichols 
and uh, yanking from his car in the midst of beating, literally beating the life out of him. Uh, and that uh, just brings me back to uh, what I've got to do later today, and that's, that's uh, finish up these bills. Uh, we're going to do bills for uh, to establish psychological evaluations as a mandatory step in hiring, uh, where we set a mental and emotional baseline uh, for those who want to be in law enforcement. Figure out if the job is for you, if, if you're fit for the job. Uh, we want to have periodic evaluations. So annually, you would have to submit to an evaluation uh, so we'll know what your status is, whether you're still fit for the job. Uh, random evaluations, so the same as we do drug tests. Uh, if something happened to you recently that we don't know, it doesn't show, but it affects your ability uh, to maintain a stable uh, emotional state uh, mental state, and interact with the public. Uh, we need more focus on non-escalation uh, techniques and methods and uh, operations. If we hadn't had the, uh, the stop, then there wouldn't have been a situation to de-escalate. Uh, so do we need to stop citizens for all of the traffic violations that we make excuses, pretextual uh, uh, stop where well, we're making excuses just so we can uh, try to get at something else uh, that we don't know. Uh, I'd say to you that we need to reevaluate that. Uh, we already uh, have a, a law in place that says that you don't need to transport. You don't need to uh, arrest everyone that you stop if there's another option. You can uh, de develop uh, the mentality that my first step is going to be the issue of summons. Uh, you show up, uh, and if necessary, you show up uh, for fingerprinting or whatever, or you show up in court. Uh, we've got to establish more ways to avoid uh, the encounters to where escalation occurs, and uh, we have to apply de-escalation. If we get smart and we focus on non-escalation in our operations and in the psychology of uh, the encounters, then we'll avoid a whole lot of these problems. The audio, video, photo, technology, the law has got to catch up with that. Uh, some of that is covered under the uh, obstruction of justice and tampering with evidence. Some of it is. Uh, technology has run off and, and left us. Uh, the Brady Rule, what do you have to talk about? The, uh, the untrustworthiness of a police officer when you're in the middle of a trial. That information should be provided to defendants. Uh, right now, there's nothing specifically uh, requiring that. Some information is, but that untrustworthiness is something we hope to add to, add, uh, to the required uh, uh, revelations of exculpatory uh, evidence. Now, the do not hire registry. When you've got uh, law enforcement officers who can be fired one day, go right to the next city or the next county or the next state and be signed up to start work as a law enforcement officer in that jurisdiction, something's wrong. So we need a do not hire registry. It needs to be national, but we're going to at least try to establish one statewide 
and create a model so we can get the uh, the Congress to establish a national do not hire registry. We want to um, collect the data that we need, race, uh, zip code, sex, age, uh, indigency, or economic status. We need all that to figure out who are, who are the officers uh, uh, actually stopping uh, for these uh, these traffic encounters. Uh, who are they using deadly force on? Who are they using taser and pepper spray uh, on? How many folks are, uh, require EMT uh, attention? How many folks actually uh, require hospitalization? Uh, it's more than just who dies. It's, it's, it's much more than that. Uh, so we've got to get those numbers so we can analyze them and figure out better policy. Uh, we've got to uh, address something I call adult chronic trauma. We know with adverse childhood experiences, ACEs, uh, that we've been able to pinpoint uh, the triggers for some of our children because we're able to uh, document that they've had trauma uh, in their lives and that's affected uh, as the way that they've uh, matured or, or failed to mature. Uh, we've got to give that same body of study. Uh, we've got to give it uh, to adult uh, chronic trauma and, and start to figure out how adults who live with murders and uh, uh, individuals in their family killed and uh, domestic violence and uh, police uh, uh, abuse. We've got to see how it truly affects adults and how they live their lives. Uh, whistleblower protection and relocation. Uh, we've got a bill that's going to revisit what can we do to ensure that whistleblowers, and I'm focusing uh, on those within the police department uh, who right now may be afraid of retribution from their fellow officers. What can we do to give them more protection? What can we do to, when necessary, give them relocation uh, for their families and, and uh, those close to us. Uh, sometimes we have to get them with the way uh, right then and there. Uh, and we've got to establish a program where the DA can make that happen. And we don't have to wait a long time. And uh, whoever the potential whistleblower or the potential witness is at a, a crime scene, including uh, police officers, uh, who may be potential witnesses against other police uh, officers, well, we can whisk them away safely, uh, place them uh, where they can await uh, more uh, interviews and subsequently uh, be witnesses in prosecution. And uh, there are more, but I'm, I'm running in there and uh, say that uh, we've got the option now, working with our joint, uh, city, county, state, uh, black office members, and and uh, requesting its pattern and practices uh, reviewed by the Department of Justice of the Memphis Police Department, and we'll have more on that. And we'll probably have a letter uh, available, uh, Ms. Santita, for the day after uh, tomorrow, after we want to uh, be respectful of the family and let tomorrow be about respecting the memory and uh, letting the family uh, grieve uh, the loss of their son. Mm. This isn't a simple uh, silver bullet problem 
So it's going to take a comprehensive approach to at least make a dent in the uh, the abuse that we've been suffering from the uh, law enforcement agencies uh, ever since uh, we hit this shore. Uh, there's been something in the form of uh, legal authority that has looked at us as less than human and thus allowed them to abuse and treat us like animals. Uh, until we uh, stand up and demand better, we're not going to get anything better. You know what? I want you, Attorney Jones and Attorney Fancher and Dwight McKee, to stay with me for a few minutes after we uh, get off of WCPT and AM 950 Radio. Morning Star, stay with us. I'm going to get closing thoughts from everyone on the other side on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel and on uh, the Santita Jackson and Friends page. I'm also sharing this with Reverend Jesse Jackson's page. I want you to follow me on Twitter at Santita J. Uh, many mayoral candidates are talking about this. They've all had a reaction to it. At least two of the candidates are running on a law and order platform. I want to know what your thoughts are about that. Do you think that the chilling of Tyree Nichols will impact any of that? Will we get a George Floyd Justice and Policing law passed. And, and that's going to happen. But will it be watered down? I mean, and what's the FOP? What's the Eternal Order of Police going to do about these five black police officers? I don't see them running to defend them right now. Are they going to defend Mr. Hemphill? I mean, we have a lot of questions, and it's going to be fascinating. Fascinating to watch this play out. I'm going to reach out to John Nichols because I knew you all wanted to hear him today, but I knew you wanted to hear this as well. Uh, because we're trying to tease out as much information about this as we can. Because I've got whiplash. <laughs> Tennessee State Representative, I've got whiplash. My head is just going back and forth because every day something curiouser and curiouser is coming out about not just this case, but about how the legal system works, how the police work in this country today. And it's time for us to really deal with it. I'm Santita Jackson. I love you, everybody. Love you, love you. Board operator, thank you for a great, great, great show. God bless you. Stay right here on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel and the Santita Jackson and Friends page. Going to get some closing thoughts on this wonderful panel. 